Thank you for joining us. I'm Jay Christian Adams. This is the Protecting Your Vote podcast brought to you by the Public Interest Legal Foundation, the nation's only nonprofit charity dedicated to election integrity and litigating in court to uphold the rule of law. Today with me actually is a board member, I just realized. Albemarle uh, County now. Right. Uh, and uh, um, Claire Bell Wheeler, nice to see you. Nice to see you, sir. Uh, so what we're going to talk about today on this podcast is something I, I think that um, has a lot of importance as it relates to voter fraud, but it really isn't voter fraud. And a lot of people say, what difference does it make if, you know, five votes, 10 votes, 1,000 votes were cast illegally? It wouldn't have changed the outcome, right? We hear that all the time, don't we? Unfortunately, that's a prevailing thought. Very not based in fact. Right. And one of the things the Public Interest Legal Foundation has done in the last month is release a new database that documents all around the country tie elections. Now, you might not think that there's many ties out there, and we're going to get to your story in a minute, because you have probably the best story in the whole country as far as tie elections go. But if you think there's not many ties out there, so far our database in just the last couple of years is up to 580 ties. These are elections that ended in a straight-up tie. And that means that one single vote, whether it was illegal, whether it was someone who didn't go to the polls, whether it was somebody who was dead and still got to vote, uh, maybe through a mail ballot that was sent two months before they died, made the difference by one vote. When you sent me that paper that, your, that Pilf wrote documenting I almost fell out of my chair. <laughs> right. I thought, great balls of fire. They've gone through and looked at the country and their 580-some tie votes nationwide. Right. That's huge. No, and we're going to keep monitoring and keep putting it in. You can get this at publicinterestlegal.org. You can get the list. You can even find out how many elections are where they were decided by one vote, which is almost That's exactly the same as a tie. And there's hundreds of those, too, that we're documenting. Yeah. And this, these are for elections that matter, school board, uh, you know, tax auditor, uh, sometimes, and we're going to get to it, state house. In fact, uh, I'll set this up, but I want to hear from you. <laughs> this is a great story. If you're out there listening, this is, this is a true election uh, 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 epic tale. So control of the entire Virginia House of Delegates, which is the state legislature, was decided by you. Well, there were three of us, the three members of the State Board of Elections, and technically the chairman of the then State Board of Elections got to pull first. We had the old canisters that you put old film when people really took pictures with film, we put the names of the two canisters, the two names of the candidates, in the canisters. I stirred them up with my white-gloved hands to make sure the canisters were not marked, not in any way imperfected. And the chairman pulled out one. I pulled out one. I was the vice chair, so I got my candidate went second. The loser, he read the name, and it was one of the two people. This was an incredible—it's not the first time it's ever happened in Virginia— but it's what the state law said at the time. The ties are determined by lots. Right. And so game's a chance. So let's set this up. 
this related to a single House of Delegates seat. Correct. And whoever won that House of Delegates seat would win control of the Virginia State Legislature, the generals of the House, right? That's correct. They okay. were equal, at that point, before that election, before that election was determined, there were equal numbers of R's and D's in the, the House of Delegates. And either party needed one more member of the House of Delegates to have control to be the Speaker of the House who runs the House of Delegates. So they only needed one more person. So it boils down to, what was it, uh, Virginia District, was it 90 or 94? 94. House District 94, which is down toward Newport News, I think. Correct. Okay. Down further into the Tidewater. And that election ended in a tie. Like, the thing to break the tie in the House, the election ended in a tie. Actually, the original election, people went in on Tuesday, voted. They counted the ballots. It was a very close election, and it met the criteria under the Code of Virginia to have a recount. So it was, I think, nine or ten ballots. They declared a recount. And under the Code of Virginia, if you have a race that is won or lost, by one percent of the votes, you can call, the losing candidate can call for a recount. If but if they don't prevail, if that candidate doesn't prevail in the recount, they have to pay for the recount. If the, the, the vote in the original election that generates the recount is less than 5%, a half percent, excuse me, a half percent of the vote, then the state or the locality has to pay for the recount. So it makes a difference on whether a candidate can afford to pay for a recount. So this one was, was less than the, than the 0.5%. They did the recount for nine votes, which meant they hand-counted and or ran the, ran the ballots back through the tabulating machines and came up with a dead, solid tie. Wow. Okay. So when there's a tie in election, and if you go to the PILF database at publicinterestlegal.org, you will see the method of resolution around the country and every state has a different law right it's it's always the state law that usually governs this it is not uniform right and in some places it's a game of poker in some places it's dice you roll dice uh i I suspect you'll find all sorts of different methods to resolve it if you look at the website uh in virginia it's basically drawing lots i guess that's what you call it yes even though they were in photo canisters so you couldn't see them and were they uh, were they in a, what, like an aquarium or something? Like how did you? Oh, my stars and pine cones! It used to be that we had a crystal bowl, and somehow in the shuffle, because in Virginia it's all about tradition. I mean, you've got to do it according to the tradition. We couldn't have that crystal bowl because it had gotten misplaced. Actually, a former member of the state board of elections had brought it and taken it home with him because it was his bowl. Okay, so. We got a bowl commissioned by a Virginia potter who displays at the Virginia Museum of Fine Arts. This was a special bowl, and it had the water and the, and the red clay and the dirt. It was, it was a very dramatic moment. In the Patrick Henry, of course, again tradition, Patrick Henry office building, the room is huge, and it was packed. You've never seen this many people at a state board of election. It was, what is going on? Well, we're 
determining the leadership of the Virginia General Assembly. I mean, cameras, video, everybody in the world is there because it's never, it's just not done. And it worked. And it, look at it from the state's perspective, it really was pretty cheap. Yeah, right. I mean, you needed the three members of the electoral board, some members of the Department of Elections, a bowl, could be any bowl, could have been a pasteboard box, but of course we had the bowl, which now is on display in the Virginia Museum of Fine Arts, and some canisters, and that's all it cost. Right. And we determined the leadership of the Virginia General Assembly House of Delegates. So just to recap, this we've documented 580 instances of tie elections. And in case it's not obvious, that tells you that every single vote counts. And that means if somebody's made a mistake on the voter rolls, if somebody uh, died, if there's anything at all wrong with that election, it decides the outcome. And that's why it, why it matters uh, when this occurs. And to your point, that's those are the elections that ended in a an absolute tie. You've also got documentation of elections that were close. Right. One vote, by the way. That's also on the PILF. Exactly. A tie vote database. Everybody needs to look at this. I mean, PILF has put out, it must have taken you who knows how many hours. I'm sure you know how many hours it took. But that's an incredibly well-documented wake-up America. Yeah. Every vote does count. And you better make sure that there are legal citizens doing the voting. Right. Now, some people listening might say, well, is a game of chance really the best way to resolve something so important? In fact, I was I was working on a document the other day that called it arbitrary. And I thought, wait a minute, this is not arbitrary. This is a calculated uh, decision to turn it over, you know, to the mystic uh, uh, random gods of gambling, right? That, that at some point you just got to say, we're through with human input. We're going to do something that decides the outcome that is absolutely neutral, right? Absolutely neutral. Totally neutral. Completely neutral. And if one side doesn't like the outcome, then you should have gotten one more person to go vote. Exactly. It's kind of like uh, uh, going to extra time or, or penalty kicks in soccer. Nobody likes penalty kicks to resolve it. Well, you should have scored a goal in regular time. It's, it's, it is sudden death. One candidate wins, one candidate loses, and it's... You should have, if you don't like it, you should have gotten your people to the polls before. Right. Okay. So, so the folks who uh, have some problem with games of chance deciding a political, which I'm not one of them. I think it's exactly how you ought to do it. Although I, I do kind of like the idea of maybe, uh, maybe have the two candidates play poker or like some sort of like game of chance skill. Like, you know, but of course that's not fair either because someone might not be a good poker player. But after this happened, this very reasonable, known-in-advance system of breaking ties through drawing lots out of a bowl. Democrats didn't like it, did they? In fact, I'm going to call out the name Delegate Sia Price of Newport News decided to scrap this process to then cost the, the taxpayers tons of money. Starting a whole new election, what happened? And she did that. She didn't like the, the name that came out of the bowl because it wasn't her candidate. So she brought a bill to the General Assembly the following year that said no more chance, no more lottery. Only for some offices, though. It's, it's her It's only office. for some. It, it's very her, selfish, isn't it? Her, the General Assembly. It's not every office, certainly not the presidential or 
statewide offices, that you would have a new election. And I asked her when the General Assembly was in session, do you know how much it costs to run an election? And, And nobody answered, which means none of the people who were taking a vote on this bill could tell you yeah. what it cost. Elections are expensive. I mean, they're vital. They're the way we run our country. But as I just said, when we pull the names out of bowl, it costs almost nothing. I mean, you know, a couple of hundred dollars. If you run an election, it's it's all the hoorah, all the, all the flourishes. Plus, on the bill that was put in and was passed by the majority party, in the General Assembly, signed by the governor. It's in the Code of Virginia. There was no regulation on who votes in the Mm -hmm. second. It's not the same people who voted before, maybe change their mind, vote for another candidate. No, it's everybody who didn't bother to get their lazy little fingers into the polling place or absentee vote and vote. They get a second bite of the apple. So it's it's almost like having a um, like a fake election. I think so. You I know, mean, it's not a... the real election. It's like, oh, we missed out the first time. Uh, see, that's why I like the game of chance is because it everybody going into the first real election knows if this ends in a tie, there's going to be a game of chance. Exactly. So you have an incentive to go make sure you vote if you, if you want to avoid that. And if you look at our elections across the country as I know you have and you do, because that's what your organization does. More and more elections are coming down to really close votes. I mean, it used to be, you know, hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands or whatever. And now if you look at elections, the winning margin is smaller and smaller and smaller because more and more people are voting, which is a good thing. But I agree with you about that, by the way. I know you do. <laughs> I, I agree. More people will vote, the more we will have a good country who agrees with American values. I agree, because they're participating in the outcome of the elections. They are participating in their future and the people who will make the decisions for their future. Right. So tell me about uh, the the mood in the room after you guys picked the winner of both the state house seat and the whole entire house of delegates it was an interesting it was and i looked there were three the three members of the of the electoral of the state board of elections were on the dais picking out okay so it was the the chairman picked the vice chairman picked we ran the we, we read the name or he read his name that he pulled out which was the person who won and because of where I was sitting, I was looking down the line at, at him and the secretary sitting next to him, who represented the party who, whose name he did not win. Holy mackerel. She was really unhappy. And, <laughs> and the people who won, or their candidate's name had just been read, were ebullient. I mean, yeah. they were just, you know, all smiles. And, and the people who were waiting for me to run, re- read the name of the person who lost were very glum. Yeah. I mean, very, very, very unhappy. As as a point, the candidate who won, whose name got pulled out of the bowl first, actually had gotten caught in a big traffic jam. Oh my gosh. It was horrible on the interstate. 
and he couldn't get there. Oh, my God. His people were there. I mean, his, Winner need not be present. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I felt so sorry for him because he couldn't be there to share right. the joy. You know, it's interesting. You talked about the glumness, but at the same time, there's a certain fairness to it, isn't there? There's nobody like in that second fake see a price election loser who would be like, oh, we shouldn't have had this election or something went wrong. In other words, you, you eliminate weak links in the chain by having it a game of chance that's, rather than a new election. Exactly. And that's why we have election laws. I'm talking to one of the country's foremost election Thank attorneys. Thank you. Unnecessary. But no, it's not. It's, I say that even when I'm not in the room with you. We have laws who pro- that protect us if we follow them. And if we don't have good laws, then we're stuck with the consequences. So it's important that we follow our election laws, that we vote according to the law. I'm starting to think that maybe we ought to add to the list of best practices that we talk so much about, games of chance for ties. <laughs> I mean, nobody has ever thought about that. You know, the heritage scorecard, uh, you know, all the efforts that groups are making. but. I think a game of chance for a tie is a way to have people buy into the outcome better. Even if you lose, you're like, okay, that was a, a card draw. That had nothing to do with, with finagling or manipulating the outcome. Well, think about it as a substitute for increasing taxes. I just thought about this. This is off the fly. Hot take. You've got, you've got two people, two candidates across the table, verified dealer, playing a game of chance. Poker, right. seven card stud, whatever dice, it is, dice, dice is whatever, ones. whatever it is, and you have it in a big, humongous <laughs> arena, lights, cameras, and you charge admission. Yeah, you can pay for. Uh, you other can pay elections. for another election somewhere yeah. else at a different time. That's a great point. The state there should be a statute. Let's keep going with this idea. I like it. Amend the the code. See a price is delegate. See a price is very bad idea to have a second election. Amend the statute to allow the State Board of Elections, when they do their game of chance, to sell tickets and to raise money for the running of elections. Maybe that's, or oh. to reduce here, well, let's pivot, reduce the price of getting the voter rolls. Oh, I know a lot of people <laughs> that'll vote for that. The cost, and you now you're, you're really going off, off into a tangent here. The cost of getting the voter rolls, the list yeah. of the people who are registered to vote, varies dramatically across our 50 states. Virginia is in the top 10% of the cost. Well, two things on it. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is suing New Mexico. So they're, in, I think, in the top 5% of the cost. Yes. And uh, that case is ongoing in federal court. I want to flag something that nobody's talking about. I saw a brief filed the, by the Attorney General of Alabama uh, within the last couple of weeks that was defending the high cost of the voter rolls. Let me repeat. The Attorney General of Alabama... Those of you out there who are from Alabama. Roll Todd. <laughs> is defending the high cost of Alabama voter rolls in a case and making arguments against the transparency provisions of the National Voter Registration Act. I just saw this the other day and couldn't believe what I was seeing. Couldn't believe it. So all those of you out there who are activists who care about this, worry maybe a bit about the Attorney General of Alabama's position. Get to Alabama. Yeah. Why should the voter rolls... And you just pointed out, the law says they should be available. At reasonable cost. At a reasonable cost. Well, riddle me this. Isn't it the Department of Elections' responsibility in every state to maintain, 
because the federal law says that they shall maintain accurate and current voter registration lists. That's their job. Yeah. So the lists are already there. Yep. All they have to do is push the button that says send. Into the flash drive. Of the into person. the flash drive, yep. whatever, and off that list goes. Right. It costs nothing. Right. Maybe maybe 10 minutes of time to sort out which list you want. Right. County A versus County 35. Right. Well, I will keep the listeners to Protecting Your Vote podcast up to date on the New Mexico litigation. Please. I will attempt to figure out what's going on in Alabama, why the Alabama Attorney General uh, who, you know, I'm sure is a very good guy, thinks it's a good idea to have lack of transparency in Alabama elections. We need more transparency. People need to know what's happening so they can make valid choices when they get to the polls and they vote. Right. We've been on with Claire Bell Wheeler. I'm Christian Adams. You've been listening to Protecting Your Vote, a podcast of the Public Interest Legal Foundation. We're the nation's only 501c3 charity dedicated exclusively to election integrity and litigating to uphold the constitutional arrangement of American elections. You can find out more at publicinterestlegal.org. Until next time, thank you for listening to Protecting Your Vote.